Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast that is about to stick a fork in the bin fire of 2022 and shout, I'm done! <laughs> As you can tell, I've had enough. I've actually had enough of this year. It can get right in the sea. Uh, James and Sai, we're together again. How are you? Good, good, thank you, Rob. Ahoy there. Good. Ahoy. That's probably my bitterest intro, I think. Haven't all three of our end of year specials been bin fires as well? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. It's not because of us, is it? No, no. 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 Because obviously 2020 was the first year of the pandemic and 2021 was still like the pandemic went away and then it came back and then it went away. And I know it's still very much around, but like this year has been a degree of normality. Hasn't there, but it's just that everyone's lost their collective minds. It's not great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Still awful. Maybe are we the harbingers of death and doom? (laughs) Maybe with starting the podcast, we unleashed something terrible. Are we Zool? (laughs) Is that what happened? (laughs) Pod Dojo is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. (laughs) Yes. Oh my word! What a way to go, hey. So we were going to ask some uh, some some questions about the year we've had. Um, obviously not in terms of anything outside of movies, because let's not go there. So what movies? You, we bandied around some questions, um, and uh, I might have got confused. It's all right, Rob. That's not like <laughs> Thank you. you. It'll be fine. This is not like me at all. So what? what's our first question? So uh, just generally out to you guys, what do you think of the year in film as 2022 Ooh. has gone? What do you reckon? Good year, bad year, average year? Because this is like the first like proper comeback year since the mm. since the pandemic began. Yeah, I've, I think it's been good. I mean, I always think it's good. I, I'm always like, yeah, when you, a lot of people go, oh yeah, shit film for year. And I say, yeah, but this came out and that came out and this came out. And it's like, yeah, I, I think it's been... I think it's been really good, and I think award season's going to be interesting this year because you've got a few wild cards in the mix, like Top Gun Maverick is getting shouts for being considered in Oscar buzz, which would be amazing if it was like involved in the Best Picture categories. I'm not sure it'll get in, but it'd be amazing if it did. I think with 10 movies, it will definitely be nominated for Best Picture. I don't think it will win, but I think it's definitely in there. As of now, because it made so much money at the box office, it's kind of undeniable. Yeah. And the thing is, with the Oscars, yeah. they've got to start putting some more films in there that people outside of sort of the film Twitter and film buff bubble have heard of, because the show is just dying. Nobody watches it anymore. Because yeah, they, exactly. They've never heard of it. They think it's like a sight and sound um, <laughs> list for <laughs> but for three hours, basically. We'll come <laughs> on to that in a little bit. Well, yeah. <laughs> I love the Top Gun Maverick thing this year, and I think that's my favourite thing, like film sort of news thing of the year, is that it's hopefully, like, fingers crossed, the beat spelling the beginning of the end of comic book movies, because, or, you know, at least them dominating the box office, because that film comes out and you're like, holy shit, action films can actually be this much fun and this sort of. I know it's a sequel, but it is standalone, it's quite standalone well, yeah. isn't yeah. it yeah yeah. Mm. yeah i just think it's the best thing to have happened to blockbuster cinema at least um that sort of big act- and i'm so glad it made loads of money because a lot of stuff's coming out and it's just completely dead on arrival yeah but yeah i think there's um there's been some really really good films i watched most of which i watched on a plane when i was going on morning which is really <laughs> they, they're starting to now come on the streamers and i'm like oh shit i watched that when i was when i was yeah, flying yeah. to mexico um 
but yeah, so uh, yeah, Top Gun Maverick. I think um, after Yang was was is up there for me as well. That was a that was a belter of a film. That was a lovely little film, that yeah, yeah, re- really, really. And Colin Farrell. I mean, he'll probably get nominated for the Banshees of Inisherin, but after Yang, I think he's brilliant in that yeah. as well. Um, and a film which really bombed, and it made me really sad that it's bombed. Um, she said, I, I went to see it at the London Film Festival a few months ago. I it completely, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was yeah, good an movie. amazing movie. And yeah, I love those like procedural journalistic type films. And I thought it was handled really well. And having Ashley Judd in it play herself and, and sort of way, the way they handled the high profile names in it was, was just really good. And I thought it was a really effective movie. And, and it's just completely tanked. And it cost quite a bit of money to make as well. So. I hope that doesn't mean films like that aren't going to be made anymore. But um, yeah, they're, they're sort of films I've I've enjoyed this year. Cool. Um, I think. Um, can we include films that um, aren't at the cinema? You know. Um, yeah, of as course. in on the yeah. street. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good because um, I would be very thin on the ground otherwise. Um, although it was speaking of uh, cinema trips this year, the the big joy for me was watching uh, you know the Bond movies on the big screen again. That that was just absolutely brilliant. I thought it was a masterstroke. How many of those did you see, Rob? On the big screen, uh, it wasn't that many actually. <laughs> it wasn't all that no, many. No, I'm just curious. So, uh... Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was. Um, I think it was actually four or five. Um, for, that's quite a lot. Yeah, for that's me, pretty good. For yeah, me, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, but um, but there are twenty five to go at guys. So it's. Um, I knew that even though I wasn't able to go to them, um, and obviously we, you know, seen them all many many times over. But even though I wasn't able to go to them, I know that it was connecting with audiences again, and that people were going to see it. And I thought it was just a really genius, warm masterstroke of the cinema chains to to get together and do this. I'm not going to give any credit to Eon because I don't think Eon had anything to do with it, but. Um, yeah, it was, it was really, really nice to see. Those, I mean, it was amazing to see them on the big screen again. And um, it was great to share those moments with my family and my kids. So it's really, really cool. Um, outside of that, um, I I don't get to watch a great deal, as, as I'm sure everyone knows by now. But um, the big hitting winners for me this year were Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> Jesus Christ! James, he's walked out. He's walked out. Door slammed. Never again. His Christmas party's gone sour. Well, I'm afraid someone's going to take a dump in the punch bowl because the other one is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, really just... oh that was from last year. Though. Oh, That's... well, I only saw it in January, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I yeah, really enjoyed they, God, they they get you with the nostalgia every single time, don't they? Of course they do. I'm the guy who's on on Etsy looking at like trainers with the DeLorean on the side. Of course they know. There he is. There's the mark. The ultimate (laughs) mark. Oh, look, a a mug that looks like one of the yellow floats from Jaws. Yes. (laughs) We'll get him. I didn't get Ghostbusters Afterlife. I was just oh, like, why Why does this exist? I just didn't understand it at all. Uh, it was okay. It was okay. I do love Paul Rudd, though, and, and I think, I think if he if he wasn't in it, I don't think it would have been watchable, <laughs> to be honest. I... <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I really, really, really dug it. Um, I love that you dug it, Rob. I love that. Yeah, you thank you. Thank you. I know I'm probably like the... like bullseye target market you know um but um surely in a lot of ways you guys should be as well so it's weird that that didn't land you know obviously i'm I, like we know where my sensibilities are though don't we you know like yeah i'm extremely forgiving of like grainy bigfoot footage <laughs> <I'm> extremely <laughs> forgiving of that so the, the ghostbusters thing for me though it's like um 
it's like if they re- if they did something with Back to the Future, I just wouldn't. It'd just be impossible to get on board with it and be. And I think because Ghostbusters one is that good, yeah. And Ghostbusters two is that good, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just really hard to get something on a level, yeah, of, as those yeah. two movies. And I think yeah, Indiana Jones is another one which I didn't I didn't mind Kingdom of the Crystal Skull to be honest. No, but, neither um, did I. Everyone's a bit nervous about this new one coming out next year. So well, yeah. Sometimes when it's the films originals are that good. It's just kind of like the the bar is high. Yeah, <laughs> the bar it's is like high. With the, the RoboCop sequel, uh, not sequel remake. You know, with Joel Kinnaman. I quite like that. I quite no, I, I quite liked it. But again, when the bar is that high, you you, you can't get everything right. Although he was great mm. in that movie. I do love that guy. <laughs> I wish he got more roles. He's doing a movie with John Woo, apparently. He's still my beating heart. I know, yeah. Is it a double denim remake of... No, let's forget these impossibly high bar originals. You can't you can't touch <laughs> a masterpiece, obviously. Um, yeah, this is it. This is it. I think it's a... I think it's a... He plays a wordless protagonist, non-verbal protagonist, in an action extravaganza from John Woo. So I'll hopefully oh. get... Hopefully that's still being John made. John Woo. Flipping wow. heck. Yeah. Um, can I shout wow. about Prey as well? I thought Prey was fabulous. Prey was great fun at home, yeah, for sure. Love that was Prey. great to fling on that. Yeah. Uh, but what about you, James? Yeah, so, um, oh, speaking of the Indiana Jones trailer as well, saw that on the big screen last night. Went to see Avatar, The Way of Water, and just got slapped around by uh, Big Jim's CGI blue dong for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> big Jim's big balls, yeah. Jesus. Um, uh, how was it? Uh, you know, it's... If you like the first Avatar, you'll like this one. There's some mental stuff in it, though. He's just, like, not taking any notes at all at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) There's some real weird left-field stuff. And then the third act is just absolute mayhem. It's just so well-realised. It's way too long, but I I enjoyed it. I liked it. Did you have a wee? Yes, I did. When one of the... uh, This isn't a spoiler. When one of the kids was talking to a whale... Uh, I decided to nip out for a week. <laughs> and now you're even more intrigued. I am, yeah. Is that the FIR approved toilet break in uh, in Way of Water? I know. I'm going to wait wait for that moment and yeah, yeah. do the same. Yeah, I don't know. It happens quite a bit, but I could see that it was building towards a big climax and I didn't want to miss any of the rip-roaring action. You know how Cameron likes to build and build and build and then just go absolutely insane in the last hour, and yeah, he does. <laughs> so yeah, I enjoyed that. As for the year itself, really good year for horror, I thought. I thought horror was yeah was very strong this year. Uh, in terms of the mainstream ones, really loved Barbarian. Thought that was some of, one of the most fun experiences I had in a theatre all year. In terms of my like top movies, though, uh, Nope... Jordan Peele's Nope has just sort of like crept up my list all year. Like when I was watching it, I was like, I'm not sure what's going on here. And then I got back to my car and I was like, oh no, that was really, really quite intelligent. Then by the time I'd driven home and woken up the following morning, I was like, oh, I think that was an absolute masterpiece. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to see it again. I agree. I so got that. Also, it's got one sequence in it that would rob you wouldn't be able to cope with at all. Like oh, it takes word. place in oh. a barn, which uh, <laughs> before it reveals what it's actually about, it's just uh yeah, you'd have you'd have absolutely soiled yourself. So look forward to that on uh on home video <laughs> well it's because i think it's coming to uh sky cinema very very soon actually i think so i'm all coiled up ready for it coiled yeah. up sorry i'm not just for that scene 
it's it's very it's very very good nope i was the same as you james absolutely loved it my favorite movie of the year though uh banshees of inisherin which was just absolutely phenomenal the funniest saddest film i've seen all year and uh <laughs> yeah but as simon touched on earlier with um colin farrell in after young incredible year he deserves to win the big awards just because he's had like three or four incredible projects out in the same year. Obviously, he was the Penguin in the Batman from earlier this year. Mm. Uh, apparently, 13 Lives, he's very good in that. I haven't watched that yet, the cave diving movie. Watched that last night. Him and Viggo Mortensen are so good in it. They're just like just like um, average like uncles from England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like in their little houses, like, oh, I've got to go to Thailand. So it, they're, yeah, it's a really good movie, and he's amazing in it. So there you go. You go four for four in a year. You deserve, and one of them's like yeah. some of the best work you've ever done. Yeah, give him, give him the statue, yeah. give him the little gold man. I hang on a minute. I didn't know that Mortensen and Farrell and Joe Ledgerton were in that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's just been dropped on really Amazon Prime with no fanfare. It has. I'm just looking at now. Directed by Ron Howard. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. There's a documentary as well, which I think came out at a similar time. Oh, The Rescue, yeah. That's the only reason I haven't watched it yet, is because I watched The Rescue right at the start of this year, so I'm really familiar mm. with the with the story, and I think it might negatively impact on the film just because it'll take some of the suspense yeah. away. Oh, my word. Um, that yeah. documentary's really good as well, by the way. The Rescue, cool. do check that out. But yeah, I think it's generally been a really, really good year. In terms of films from this year that might feature on this podcast in the future, what's the most FYR movie you've seen all year and why is it Ambulance, Simon? (laughs) 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 But surely Ambulance both made bank and got amazing reviews. No, it absolutely (laughs) tanked, didn't it, at the box office? I went to see it. There was three other people in my screen. (laughs) The week it was out. I don't know. Again, this was one of those films I watched on a plane, as Michael Bay intended, on a tiny screen. Um, But I fucking loved it. I really, really, really loved it. (laughs) It, Because as as it started, as soon as you like, Jake Gyllenhaal is just off his head. And then I was like, this kind of feels like Grand Theft Auto. So I was watching it as a Grand (laughs) Theft Auto movie. And I was like, this is a great Grand Theft Auto (laughs) adaptation. Um, Like, just like a film of a mission in GTA. I just, ah, I thought it was, oh, great. He sends a drone under an exploding ambulance at one point, Rob. Yeah. (laughs) Because obviously it's been well documented about the the over, the excessive drone work, but... I give him credit because he, he at least he used it to good effect on like the Russos who just fucking used it for no reason whatsoever in that shitty movie they made. <laughs> um, yeah, don't talk to me about those dweebs. <laughs> that's the the grey man was. I mean, I know we haven't been asked that, but that's the the worst film I've seen this year. Yeah, by by a comfortable distance, um, the grey man absolutely terrible. Yeah, it's tied with uh, Bobby Z's uh, Pinocchio for me, which was absolutely dreadful. Oh, I haven't seen Don't that. Bother. I've seen Del Toro's one, which was which is very good. Yeah, I'm sure that is really good because he's actually put some effort into it, whereas Bobby Z's is just, just hang it up, Bobby. You're obviously not interested anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just knock it on the head, mate. Oh, God. But yeah, Ambulance, what a shout that is. What an amazing shout that is. My, my one's a bit more niche. Uh, and I've been trying to bring a film from this filmmaker on for ages but uh it's a ben wheatley film um i think i may have mentioned it on one of the like when we watched but um in the earth was came out earlier this year and it's just 
mint. <laughs> and no one watched it. I mean, it did quite well with critics, of the few critics that reviewed it, but audience-wise, it's on like 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. So people like really did not like it, but I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, really creepy and deeply disturbing post-apocalyptic mind bender with um Reece Shearsmith in it is a bit of a nutter in it and he's great I, I just love Ben Wheatley and I know he's he's a filmmaker he's a polarizing filmmaker not for everyone but um yeah that's I think that's the most FYR film I've seen this year outstanding um I'm again I don't think that what I would like to bring to the podcast of things I've seen would necessarily be one that came out this year if I'm completely honest I'm desperately trying not to say a Bigfoot film <laughs> So I'm not going to. I'm not you can't there. have many left. Can't like the car. <laughs> We've not done um, the Lance Hendrickson uh, quadrilogy of Bigfoot pictures yet. So. Which is the last one that's missing? <laughs> oh, we've only there's loads. He's been in about four oh, or five. I know. I was going to say, where have you got quadrilogy from? <laughs> <laughs> Octology of. <laughs> um, I've just I've made a note and I can't find it now. So just give me one. Second. Second to find this movie. Oh, and I can't find it anywhere. I'm just useless. I'll just say, Love of Monsters, I don't think it'll qualify, but um, that's one I'd love to talk about again. But because it didn't get a cinema release, we'll probably never, there isn't any data on which to base it. And the fact that it's actually quite good means that, you know, we're probably <laughs> not really allowed to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, quite It's a really good movie, yeah. Yeah. The the straight to streaming movies kind of pose a bit of a problem, don't they? Because, they do. I mean, I do not believe Netflix's stats for a second. I think that's it's the most bullshit metric yeah. going where they're like, Oh, three hundred billion people watched this latest <laughs> Ryan Reynolds movie and it's like, did they though? <laughs> Are you counting each house is like twenty people or something? <laughs> I, I just don't get their rating thing uh, their sort of figures at all. I do not understand how they calculate it. So yeah, maybe we can sort of start um, talking about straight to streamers. Yeah, I think might so, have yeah. to because like we'd have to because Prey, I think, would definitely get a look at this. Um, but then again, yeah. there's some real classics that I've watched this year that I really like, as in like classics that I love. The rest of the world, I don't think, loves that much. <laughs> but I would love to talk about with you guys on this, like um, the Peter Ustinov Blackbeard's Ghost. I think is absolutely amazing. I'd love to do that. You know where he's he's invisible at the end, and there's a like a sports sports tournament on. Where have I got tournament from? Sports tournament from sports tournament. On. And no one can see him. And, you know, he's like swapping batons for hot dogs and stuff. It's absolutely brilliant. But it's all in that, you know, like sort of late 60s style. Oh, no. Oh, I've never even heard of this film. I've never heard of this film. It doesn't sound like it'll bring in a lot of listeners. (laughs) It won't. It definitely won't. Well, now I'm thinking one of my choices will be Ghost Dad. Uh, (laughs) 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 Although that's now problematic, isn't it? (laughs) God damn it. Can't do Ghost Dad. Oh god! Is that the Cosby one? Yeah, <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> Imagine that! Oh, Bill Cosby's actually magnificent in this film. <laughs> Cancelable people. Just like mid-sentence, I realised who was in it, and was like, "Oh god, it's kind of way more problematic than Army Hammer." <laughs> oh, yeah, because the streamer thing would be good because it's really like. Shitty news the other week because Shudder has had to sack loads of people. Oh no! Because they've like not 
they're just not go not things aren't going so well for that for the for for Shudder, um, which is a is a brilliant um, thing on Amazon. It's a brilliant channel on Amazon yeah. with all the horrors. Yeah, it is. It's great. Yeah, yeah. There's a film on there called Deadstream, which people have to see, and I just don't think the films on Shudder get much sort of exposure. And it's a fucking brilliant movie. Mm. Like a, it takes found footage to like a modern like a, the next level. So it's like a guy who's live streaming his evening in a hor- in a haunted house. Yeah. But it's so good, mm. and it's really scary, and it's really funny, and it's really cleverly put together. So yeah, that might be another one to uh, potentially cover. So yeah, for sure, I think there's definitely uh, a lot of treasure to be found in the streamers because they just drop stuff on there, and you never even hear about it. And yeah, you don't. It doesn't funny. make the top ten on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, and then it just disappears into the algorithm. And lots of good wow, things. Yeah. And Str- Shudder is a good example of that because not many people have that as a streaming service. Yeah, uh, I've currently got a subscription and I'm very much enjoying it. Um, it's great. I've watched the most harrowing horror film I'd seen all year, uh, Speak No Evil, which was a brilliant advert for never meeting up with people that you meet on holiday ever again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there anyone famous in that? I've kind of, I think I've heard of that. No, it's a Danish Dutch production um so it's mostly in english because the danes and the dutch share that common language and then there's some dutch and um and danish subtitles as well but yeah no very good and just harrowing just made me want to cry afterwards (laughs) yeah yeah i I think i think i've watched shudder more than anything recently and i always find these streaming films just get one life yeah yeah they just disappear and even like i was looking for a film to watch the other day and went on like Netflix exclusives. Roma was nowhere to be seen on that list. You have to f- search for it. It's arguably the best film they've ever made as an original as well. Yeah, like. and- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't like it just just put them out in cinemas. I, I I just don't get it. Give it the the lives films. They have what like four lives. Yeah, when exactly. You do yeah. the cinema DVDs, yeah. Blu-rays, and um, Sky, and then streamers just do it like that stop just sticking them on netflix and letting them drop off and die forever it's rubbish yeah anyway on a more optimistic note <laughs> what are we looking forward to from 2023 in terms of the movies Indy, i love you 100 <laughs> percent. i know again we mentioned it before but that theme that dude in that suit my word if they can just let us all go home from this happy it will just make so many people delighted. They could have let them let the VFX guys finish that shot of him on the horse before sticking it in the trailer, though. Because that is true. That looks absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, whereas the de aging stuff looks absolutely incredible. Yeah, there's one shot that looks brilliant, but then the horse one, I'm just like, oh, just don't put it in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clearly unfinished. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it looks like one of those, you know, like when you used to make a zoetrope at school and, blah, 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 and the background moves and the thing in the middle stays the same. Like all these mashy, whirly colours. Sorry, that is a niche reference. Um, <laughs> we're cool kids. Make your own zoetrope. <laughs> zoetrope. <at home. laughs> uh, what, what are you guys looking forward to? Uh, uh, Dead Reckoning, I think. 
Mission Impossible. Absolutely. Can't wait for that. Tom Cruise has recently just put a video on Twitter of him being a lunatic again, <laughs> jumping out of a plane. <laughs> which just absolutely love. He's an absolute nut of that guy. Uh, yeah, can't wait for that. You know, after the success of Top Gun, I'm sure that's going to put more people to that as well. Yeah. Yeah, single-handedly saving cinema. Tom Cruise, absolutely love him. Um, that and June Part 2, because June Part 1 was is my favourite film of the last five years, probably. Wow. I just love um, Dennis Villanueva. Uh, I, I, he's just my... He's just five star. Everything he puts out is just absolutely brilliant. Everything I love in films, he puts on the screen, and I just cannot wait for the second part of that. And it's got Florence Pugh in it as well, who's just one of the most watchable actresses going at the minute because she's absolutely incredible. Yeah. She's in Oppenheimer as well, isn't she? Which I, I saw a bit yeah. of the full trailer for as well. Well, everybody's mm. in Oppenheimer. I know, everyone is in Oppenheimer. Which I'm looking forward to. Uh, but the two that are jumping out at me, so one uh, might confuse our American listeners uh, slightly. Uh, Pearl, the prequel to X, will be coming to the UK next year. Believe it or not, uh, USA listeners, uh, it's like 1983 over here and we're not getting it until <laughs> six months after it's uh, been released. I really loved X, the uh, the Thai West yeah, really horror, mil- uh, horror movie from uh, earlier this year. And yeah, he's done a prequel with Mia Goth as the old lady from X. And yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that when it comes out. And then my guy, Scorzy, as he was uh, christened <laughs> on this pod. <laughs> During the bringing out the dead, oh, never, never living that down. <laughs> <laughs> he's eighty years old, little Marty, and he's got a new film coming out this year, Killers of the Flower Moon, and I can't wait to see what he's cooked up for us. Because who knows how many more we'll get out of the little guy? Yeah. Well, yeah. his last one was brilliant, wasn't it? So yeah, he's still got it. Yeah, he's not. He's eighty years old, and he's not lost his fastball yet. It's just incredible. Yeah, good dude. To yeah, Scorsy. What a legend. <laughs> Sorry, that's such an understatement on a film podcast. Yeah, yeah. Scorsese's a legend. That's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, well, it is, picking him as his most anticipated film is like a most basic film bro thing, but I don't care. He's the best for a reason. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad Sight and Sound didn't ask us for our top ten because it would have been uh, <laughs> ridiculed. <relatively. laughs> oh, like poor Ty West got ridiculed for just picking ten of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> <laughs> What do you pe- what do these people want? Ostensibly that is an outstanding list. Every film on there is like five star absolute classic movie, but it's like all of a sudden now it's like, oh that's just so generic. Oh, it's not yeah. very diverse. <laughs> yes. The the only thing I was surprised by Ty West list is is Texas Chainsaw Massacre wasn't on there. Yes. Considering how that's clearly influenced his work. But I just you, you can't win. The sight and sound thing to me felt like it was just a bunch of people trying to out cinephile each other. It does oh. have an element of that, doesn't it? Particularly in the critics' ballots, yeah. Yeah, it's like, let me pick all these, you know, a lot of great movies, of course they are. And, you know, in terms of film being art, then yeah, absolutely. But just, you know, sometimes you don't have a go at Ty West for picking truly brilliant films. Ten of the greatest <laughs> film ever. <laughs> True. People were saying it was like he just Googled the 10 best films ever and then just submitted that <laughs> as his list. But, you know... The, the, the idea that in some people's eyes, me putting 10 different films, coming from me, yeah. 
would be more credible than Ty Westley's. In some people's eyes, is absurd. Absolutely. And also, as well, I mean, what are these lists for? Is it to validate your own taste or to show yeah. off? Or is it to make people aware of more obscure films? I think it's a bit of everything, really. It is a bit of everything, yeah. I'm more of a vibes yeah. and technical proficiency sort of guy. So, <laughs> yeah. like, if, if you like something, yeah. shout about it. Well, I mean, Big Trouble in Little China definitely would have made my top ten. Oh, John Carpenter <laughs> yeah. was hilarious because he loved Howard Hawks. That's his favourite director of all time. He just put four of his movies in this top ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 some, some of the crit- like a lot of the lists I did really like, like because yes, a lot yeah. of them were kind of like half and half, weren't they? Where it was like they'd pick these sort of well-known five-star movies that everyone loves, but wouldn't necessarily count as sort of like a cinephile's favourite. And then they add those films in there where it was like, oh, I've never heard of that. Maybe I'll check that out. Mm. And stuff. So it's good in that sense. I just didn't... And I'm sure the people who made those lists didn't intend for it to turn into this bloody competition of who's got the most niche taste in movies. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. Like, yeah, I, um, it, it, there is no greater turn-off to me. And this is no disrespect to anyone, although it might sound it. When someone says, you know, you say to someone, what's your, you know, What's your favourite movie? And they go like, uh, I think they've heard it's a Francois Truffaut, uh, little-known Francois <laughs> Truffaut film. And I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm signing out right now. You and me ain't going to get along, I don't think. But now, Rob, even Francois Truffaut and... Um... That would be seen as a basic yeah. choice. Yeah, well, no, this, that's true, yeah. Maybe maybe it's come come all the way back around because I, I did once see um, a Polish art house film at a Polish film festival. Maybe I'm yeah, way ahead put, of all of them now. Should put well. What's that? What's that one? The the really old one you like with the dinosaurs. Uh, the, the Valley of Guanji. Yeah, stick that on there. I reckon that'll go down. Well, not on the list. <laughs> I'm still. Hey, that's what we're gonna say. It's not on the. <laughs> what are you gonna say about what you'd like to bring to the podcast? I watched that this year again. I am desperate to bring Valley of Guanji to the podcast, as well as uh, Rapid Fire. Obviously, the Brandon Lee. Finest moment of Brandon Lee's life career. Never mind the crow. The crow is excellent, but Rapid Fire is where it's at. What was the other one that I always want to do? The Kevin Bacon Death Sentence movie, hardest movie to ever find. Yes. Oh, I bought that on DVD in preparation for because you were going to pick Have it, you? wouldn't you? And I've got bought. I got it. I found it in a charity shop and bought it because I was like, oh. <laughs> oh my! Well, so we can actually do this. Yeah, I'm sure we can dig it out from somewhere if we can find it rent, streaming or whatever somewhere. It's one of the greatest. Honestly, it's completely underrated. Anyway, sorry. Can I just? Give it, uh, uh, and I don't mean to hijack the conversation in any way whatsoever. But if we're talking about movies that would be on the list like that, blow out, blew out my socks <laughs> and shorts and all clothes that I was wearing this year. It was it, that's the best film I've seen this year by a comfortable distance, and has changed my whole outlook on cinema. Yeah. Oh, sorry, because the the episode you guys recorded with uh, lovely Chris Goldie, it took a while to go out because I really wanted to watch the film before editing. Oh, mate, you should. Yeah. And what did you think? I I just absolutely loved it. I think it was like so packed with filmmaking technique, like the top end filmmaking. It was just like a a real gold standard for how to make a movie and film language. You know, like when we when you study film and, and all the sort of elements of film language and he just did everything and did it all really really well yeah and that scene where he where he syncs his audio with the animation he makes oh. from the stills Ge- genuinely one of the best things i've ever seen <laughs> i was oh, watching it, is, it just it like is. my mind it was is. going <laughs> fucking brilliant um, can't we now that we've had a couple of weeks to sort of sit on this 
Is it a bit of a nasty move to use the deceased woman's scream in a movie without... Oh, yeah, 100%. But I did look because (laughs) when that happened in the film, I was like, the screen's going to use the scream! (laughs) And then it cuts back to the thing, and I was like, yeah, it was a very nice uh, closing of the circle, I thought. It's the saddest ending of all time, I think. And uh, it's an act of uh, self-flagellation rather than in bad taste. It's him punishing himself for not being able to save her. Yes. Uh, And Travolta is just unbelievable. He's my... I love it that he is my breakout star of... (laughs) (laughs) Where were you in 1981, Rob? Well... Very nearly a twinkle in a parent's eye. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Travolta's That's like, amazing. I needed you back in the eight. Honestly, he, he <laughs> that whole film was an absolute revelation to me. An absolute revelation. Um, well, that'd make your list. James, have you got stuff for your list? Uh, for my uh, sight and sound list, I mean, I think it's pretty ridiculous that there's no Spielberg in the top 100. I think I agree that with you. because people agree just with you. refuse to pick him because he's successful. I just don't understand that thinking but yeah i did have a little go at a at a 10 list let me have a look here yeah so i'd have jaws on there sorcerer by william friedkin oh yeah uh i would put blowout in there as well don't look now uh from nicholas rogue which is a film that i've i saw for the first time this year and absolutely blew my mind and uh, yeah. uh, and your trousers to bits, yeah. I'd imagine. And then just like <laughs> favourites like Alien and Heat and Taxi Driver and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an outstanding yeah. list. All, okay. all well, great, all great films. The only the only wanky one I'd put in was would be A Band Apart. I think uh, that was like one of my favourites at um, uni. Absolutely love that movie. Goddard movie. Yeah. Um, Couldn't speak. Yeah, the Goddard one. But again, that's too film bro generic now. So exactly. Yeah, you'd, you would. You'd get done for get that. Any points for that? <laughs> and also, I know that sight and sound leads a bit more academic and whatnot, and that's absolutely fine. There's absolute space for that. But nobody's telling me that the new number one film, uh, Gian Gielman, which is a film that I have not seen, is better than Die Hard. Nobody's telling me that. <laughs> no, no critic is convincing me that on a on a wet and windy Friday evening they're throwing on a two hundred minute long drama about a woman peeling potatoes when they could be watching John McClane throw Hans Gruber off Nakatomi Plaza. That's all I'm saying. Nobody's making that choice, and if you are, you're lying to yourself and uh, the readers of Sight and Sound. Well, do you think, like, perhaps we should set up our own rival publication? If you've got sight and sound, should we just have pictures and noise? Yeah. <laughs> new, <laughs> new publication. Pictures and noise. <laughs> just the special double denim edition. Yeah, yeah. Where real, you know, the real film chat is at. <laughs> 42 page dissection of Pottersville. Coming soon, by the way. <laughs> I am down. I am seriously down. I, I used to subscribe to Sight and Sound, but I had to stop because their reviews basically are just synopses. Synopses? Yeah, they're, they're just proper ex- essays, aren't they? You can't they read just the reviews until the you've film. seen the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, <laughs> spoil it. Cheers. Because I remember reading... I, it was this big sunshine piece in it, which was brilliant. And then there was a review of it at the end, and I read it, and I was like, oh, you just give away the old fucking movie. <laughs> <Cheers."> yeah. <laughs> 
We don't do that in pictures and noise. We don't do that. Which is quite a nice um, way around of doing it because they're not giving themselves too much of an inflated status as critics because they're like, you go and see it and then you come back and Very read true. what, what yeah. we actually thought of it. Very That's true. Very <laughs> true. <laughs> Which is, yeah. I quite That's like good. that. Yeah, you do get that impression on their things. It's not because they don't do star systems, do they? They just, you just read what they think of it and agree or not. It's not a. Because the star system does kind of... It's just like a quick throwaway thing, isn't yeah, it? it is, yeah. People can go, what? Two stars? I did love that this week, though, where Mark Commode's film of the week was Avatar, and he gave it two stars. <laughs> it's like, that nothing is, else come out this no week, sense. then. <laughs> 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 uh, love him, though. You know, that's not a criticism of Commode. I too love that quaffed legend. <laughs> Speaking of love, we do need to take a... A festive trip. Oh my god! Last one of the year. Festive. I thought we'd got away with it. I thought I thought we'd got away with it. Me and Sam just been talking non-stop to avoid big popcorn. <laughs> Guys, come with me. Hop in the Oldsmobile and let's head down, head down to the creek. Let's find the tree line and let's get walking. Because if we if we look hard enough and we listen strong enough, pictures and noise, <laughs> we'll find. <laughs> Bigfoot Corner. Bigfoot Corner. So, guys, oh. huge excitement as I bring to you a video fresh from 2014. <laughs> well, this must be it. This must be the <laughs> solid proof. <laughs> Amazing <laughs> that we haven't read about this in the in the newspapers. It must have passed me by. Does the Google searching get more difficult as the weeks go on? It really is, because I type Bigfoot News and there's, there's like two items. So this, this one, obviously I had to find a Christmas-themed one. But what would you do if you were faced, if you were living in northern Minnesota and you were faced uh, with a Bigfoot visiting on Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, sorry, 2014, what would you do? Um, have you guys watched this electric footage yet? I can't say uh, that I have. Can you describe it for me, please, Rob? Well, first, I'm going to tell you what people thought about it. Okay, go on. Okay. Um, Larry Bird uh, on YouTube. He what the, the guy the, from the, the Celtic? Larry Bird. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was I was about to point out that <laughs> the <laughs> the closet Bigfoot aficionado. <laughs> um, he says this is one of the most compelling videos on the internet, in my opinion. The fact that its movements are all correct slash fast. Correct. <laughs> I did no one knows that. But anyway, that's fine. Sorry, that's not helping my argument. And it seems like rather a rural area. So it's comfortable staying in the tree line. The reaction from the dog is just too genuine. 10 out of 10, great footage. <laughs> I like that. The dog's reaction seals... The, this is by Jack Wood. The dog's reaction seals the deal. And look at the figure's gait, smooth and almost gliding. I think that, um, um, but we do have a dissenter here. Uh, Choi Yena Enjoyer says, thank God she was filming that window for no reason at that exact moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've not seen this footage, but can I'm imagining that it's quite a long shot, I would say. You'd, what you'd call <laughs> yeah, a, a long master shot, perhaps, yeah? Yes, yeah, um, yeah. Just some sort of blurry, vaguely furry figure moving in the distance who perhaps behind a tree has a little wink <laughs> out and then sort of disappears off frame, but nobody thinks to then follow after the said. There's, there's quite a bit of that. Yeah, there is quite a bit of that. Also very handheld as well. Extremely handheld. Oh, it's very handheld, yeah. Was it yeah. shot through a cheesecloth by any... T- <laughs> 
<laughs> well, sorry, sorry, lads. On Christmas morning, they didn't have a full full film crew on hand. <laughs> Cheese cloth. Um, so, so without further ado, I urge you to listen to uh, watch this footage. Now, please pay attention and particular mind to the authentic reactions of the family uh, who are documenting. Say Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Right, this is behind the scenes stuff, guys. Obviously, it's four minutes long. I would focus on the first 30 seconds um, and then... Oh, oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Did you see that? Thumbs behind your eyes. Did you see it? It's pretty good, though. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how she, like... The setup is good because it's like, oh, I'm filming at Christmas. Of course, you'd be filming at Christmas. Yeah, but then she does linger on that specific window for quite a while before, for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Did you see that? No. What was it? It's like she goes, she pans past the Christmas tree. It's really big. Oh my God! Do you see it? Yeah. Now I can be a skeptic too, guys. Don't worry about that. I don't think this feature is going to work if you're going to be a skeptic as well, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> now, do do look for the dog about the midway point. The dog is having a really terrible, oh, really? very well, scared. Well, because there's a there's a guy in a suit in the woods. Uh... <laughs> I, think, I think they prefer to be called forest giants. I think that's. Oh God! You stay here, Rip. You stay here. Because there is a debate in the Bigfoot world at the minute if they like to be called Bigfoot. So at the moment, <laughs> some people are calling them forest giants. <laughs> oh. Oh because God. it's a bit more PC. I mean, I think I've got to the bottom of this anyway, and this will link us to tonight's film. I mean, it's clearly Michael Shannon in a gorilla costume. <laughs> well... If it is, uh, it was uh, part of an incredibly accurate marketing campaign. Me- going method for Pottersville <laughs> three years beforehand. Well, I think that's about as much as he did invest in the movie. So, uh, <laughs> uh, right, with that in <laughs> mind. Uh, but, uh, ladies and gents, do check out uh, Bigfoot Encounter on Christmas 2014 in northern Minnesota and make up your own mind. Um, but just don't, you know, don't look too hard uh, at the joins. <laughs> so... <laughs> Are we staying in Bigfoot Corner for the remainder of the episode then? Why not? What? Why Let's not? do a whole episode in Bigfoot Corner. <laughs> this is incredible. This is revelation. Uh, a revelation. Right, okay, so in which case, we need a logline for tonight's incredible Christmas feast. I would call it a feast. I, I think we do need a serious discussion here. Um, I, I, if you were to say to us, there is a Bigfoot Christmas movie, you would have jackpotted this entire... <laughs> end of this year experiment so, we call FYR this is right this is right <laughs> um, so much like Christmas morning this is like Christmas morning for me getting to introduce this this log line right none of this is made up okay Maynard Grieger an apparent psychopath hiding in plain sight while running a general store finds out his wife is a furry and it causes him to get absolutely bongo-drummed on local moonshine. He wakes groggy in the morning to find the town in the grip of Bigfoot hysteria. Not that we know anything about that, eh, boys? <laughs> After a wave of overnight sightings, little do the people of Pottersville know that their Bigfoot is actually a lovelorn Grieger dressed in a ghillie suit and Halloween mask out of his tree, making a serious racket. But will the Bigfoot excitement save the town? What happens when a TV monster hunter comes to town? Was I actually imagining this whole thing? 
<laughs> Surely this can't be a synopsis for a real movie. Of course it is. And of course, it's 2017's festive Bigfoot Bonanza, Pottersville. I can't believe that's a real synopsis. Hey, Park, you mind doing me a favour? Would you mind closing up tonight, running to the bank? I just want to surprise Connie, you know? Leonard! <laughs> Connie, what's going on? I think we need to take some time apart and think about what we really want. I'm here with a local townsfolk who claim to have witnessed what they're calling, well, a Bigfoot sighting. <laughs> and then we realized that we all saw it. And we were like, huh. Cool. Get your brand new Bigfoot merchandise. Get it while we still have a Bigfoot. What do you mean, why will we still have a Bigfoot? Because of Bart. What about him? You didn't hear? Hmm. They're putting him on Monster Finder. What? Then if you'd like to join us, despite the peril, we could use your help. Has anyone been miscast more than Michael Shannon in this film? That's for later. Uh, but for now, um, whose idea was it to bring Pottersville to the podcast? I can't... Was it, it, I know it's definitely one of you guys. Yeah, I think I saw it on Twitter and I saw that it was both festive and Bigfoot themed. So <laughs> I put two and two together and made 75. <laughs> I, I was actually going to pick this last year as well because it was it was it was rolling up to my pick for Christmas and I was like, oh this Pottersville is is would easily qualify. Michael Shannon's in it. Oh I'll, I'll pick this. <laughs> but because uh, I hadn't seen it, I like I didn't take the punt in the end. Oh very much so. So it's a first watch for you, Scythe, then in which case? It's a first watch for all of us. Yeah, I mean yeah. it, it is for I mean, James, James, your relationship <laughs> with Pottersville. I've just told you my relationship with it. I found it on Twitter and thought it'd be ideal fodder for our stupid podcast. And boy, am I glad that you did. So um, we we only assumed in agreement that that it would qualify. What tipped us off? Was it the 84-minute runtime? Was it the Photoshop is my passion marketing materials? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Can we talk about that that marketing materials for a minute? So there's a lovely sort of like it looks like a Hallmark kind of movie, um, the poster. But can you guys in a little quiz? Can you tell me what the tagline for this movie is? Oh, you do, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. This is also it? true. Is it? Oh. Is it? it is, is it a riff on "It's a Wonderful Life"? I can't remember the exact wording. It's a magical life. What? Yeah, yeah. It just <laughs> makes no sense. No. Like, because it's None. got the, the name is a really tenuous link to its wonderful life, isn't it? Because it's the town when George doesn't exist. It's called Pottersville, isn't it? Because of when horrible Mister Potter owns the town and it yeah. becomes Pottersville. So that's the link to its wonderful life. And then they're going to do the logline, uh, the the sort of tagline on the post, which makes no. There's no magic in this. There's no life isn't magical for Grieger in this. <laughs> It definitely isn't. Talk about mis-selling your product. Jesus Christ. 
What a cast, though. What a cast. You look at that poster. Honestly, Michael Shannon, Judy Greer, Thomas Lennon, Ron Perlman, with Christina Hendricks and Ian McShane. Ian McShane. <laughs> Ron Perlman produced it as well, didn't he? I think it's he his production company. Well, there's a lot to discuss there as well. Well, uh, and my, well in the credits, Michael Shannon has an executive producer credit, but not on IMDb. So I don't know if that's that was very just... strange. Very, it doesn't look that strange. invested in the whole process, to be honest. <laughs> this, this film... He does not. No, it needs... Well, it needs a lot of things. But <laughs> one of the things it could do with is charm in its leading man. <laughs> and good God bless you, Michael Shannon. I love you to pieces, but I don't think this material particularly vibed well. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, does it qualify? I think... Oh, yes, to... does it qualify? <laughs> Uh, so, um, just before we talk about qualification, though, um, can I say that I have reached out to Judy Greer. Um, and... <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> we, we've been left on red. Uh, oh, sorry, on unread. Sorry, I wish it was red. Uh, I believe we've been left on unread, so it's still not on no. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> um, and then I started worrying because I worried that she was thinking that I'd reached out ironically, you know, sarcastically. Mm. And it was like, no, I'd love to, I'd love for Judy. We love Judy Greer on this podcast. You know, it's impossible not to love Judy Greer. She's absolutely brilliant. But it was yeah. a genuine plea to Judy to come on and talk to us and have a bit of fun and a chat about it. So, Judy, if you if you are listening, um... uh, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obscure. Do you reckon Judy Greer's British. seen Pottersville? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. No, I'm... she's never seen this film and doesn't recollect even making. <laughs> I, well, because I think she's genuinely brilliant in it. As she is all the time. So I'm going to say she has. Uh, well, I think the only person who's watched it is Ron Perlman, and that's because he had to. <laughs> I love the idea that even the director didn't. The director didn't bother. No one, no oh, one else. Dear. There's no way Michael Shannon sit down to watch this film. He doesn't watch any of his movies, does he? So there's absolutely no way he sat down. Does he know he was in it? And watch Pottersville. Do you think? Like, <laughs> stand here, Michael. Maybe he was actually tanked on Moonshine. Uh, maybe he was. I, I, where I, the story I, came from. It's, oh my word. Right, so qualification. Oh my word. Should we go with budget and box office, James? Yeah, so surprisingly, I was unable to find any box office <laughs> numbers for this Christmas classic. Stop, stop. <laughs> but I did find some fairly interesting financial tidbits, so I'll, I'll share this with you. So the film mm. was partly financed by the SUNY Polytechnic Institute, a public university in New York State, through the state's film tax credit. This investment was part of the school's Central New York Film Hub, a $15 million studio near Syracuse built to attract filmmakers to Central New York. Okay. The school ultimately lost $750,000 of their investment on the film, and the film hub was sold off for just $1. Now, the school itself is still going based on a quick Google search. At least it was last week when I checked. Um, <laughs> but apparently this school never had any sort of film programme in the first place, so nobody really knows why they were invested in a festive Bigfoot picture starring Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, <laughs> and, you know, produced by... Because I, I, I haven't found any examples of it, but I, I heard that Ron Pillman is very defensive when people mention Pottersville. Is he? Because there's a touch of the shady... 
shadiness going on with this whole film. Were, you know, was it to clean some money? Was it a, a big tax write-off? There is something so weird about this film and how it was made and how it was financed with these huge names. And, oh God, it's... You could have a field day in Conspiracy Corner with this one, I think. To I think you really could. Why it was made. <laughs> um, it's certainly made for very interesting reading um, because there are a lot of elements that do feel, feel quite film schooly about it. Yeah. Well, the music, for stars. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Stock City. <laughs> uh, uh, Brando Trianta Filu. That's not a real name. <laughs> It's another tax write-off. Uh, amazingly, his only feature film score. <laughs> yeah, but the, but this is it. This is why it's so weird, isn't it? Like the the guy who wrote it, like Daniel Mayer. What has he got? Like he's got like one or two. I think this is his only. He's got like one or two writing credits. Yeah, like nothing, nothing of note. Seth Henriksen, the director, the same. He's just got like a short film. Yeah, which I think is the link with Michael Shannon, is it? He's got a short. Yeah. Short film called yeah. Zamboni Man, which Shannon was in, um, and I think they they must be friends, I guess, and um, that's sort of where why he was roped into it. I don't know; he's probably got some dirt on him or something. Do <laughs> <laughs> you reckon that this was all to clear Michael Shannon's like blackmail or dirt, the dirt, some dirt that someone had on Shannon? His gambling debt on the oh, horses. Oh gosh, don't. <laughs> so awful. I can't tell you the brief flicker of excitement that went through me when I realised that the director's surname was Henriksen, thinking he might be related to Lance. I have not found a link yet, but that would be amazing if if Seth Henriksen was related to Lance and they both had a penchant for Bigfoot pictures. I mean, this is definitely something worth a live Google, isn't it? Let's just find Lance Henriksen. Or just like... Seth Seth finally got some funding for his movie he's been trying to do for years and he he catches up with long lost brother Lance and he goes, maybe you should do it on... Have you ever thought about doing a Bigfoot picture? <laughs> picture. This is the it one he turned down. It was just, just, just inception that he just planted the seed and he's just wasted 750 grand of this poor school. <laughs> God. I can't, yeah, th- th- this is... This is one of the more fascinating things, I think. Just, but no, no, not like obviously it's not. Obviously, everyone loves like the backstory of like Sorcerer, for example, and how mad that was. But in terms of at the other end of the scale, fascinating backstories, this is right up there. It really is. Um, so critically, then, in which case, if we can't work out really whether it, it qualifies financially, we're assuming it does, based on the murky. Backstory. Crippling a film school, I'd say. <laughs> Not even a film school, that's the that's the key just, element. Just crippling a school. <laughs> but critically, critically, Sai, how was it received? Oh god, I, I, I think this is a first for us. Um surpri- surprisingly actually. Um it, it is only from six reviews, so I mean take that with a pinch of salt, I guess. Um, but it has a big, fat, lonely 0% on <laughs> This can't be. This cannot happen. Really? It seems to have bemused critics with um, Rachel Wagner saying, I just don't know what to say or how to adequately describe this film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert Daniels of 812 Film Review said, Pottersville is one of two things, the worst Christmas movie ever or the best movie ever. <laughs> 
and uh, surprisingly, one of the six reviewers was uh, good old David Ehrlich, um, old New York um, film critic, smug film critic, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, good old David Ehrlich. Uh, who, he seemed to have a lot of fun writing about this one. Um, his review's brilliant. Um, please do check it out. Um, probably better than the film. Uh, so, <laughs> so he, he said, uh, bad movies happen to good actors all the time, but Pottersville is something worse. Not malevolent so much as utterly mystifying. It's a movie that's mere existence is infinitely more amusing than any of its jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very, very true. <laughs> Uh, remarkably though it's not as bad on the audience side on Rotten Tomatoes at least it's got 65% um, which is which is bizarre baffling uh, but, uh, pretty pretty lowly 2.2 on Letterboxd uh, with That's reviews quite such high. as te- yeah t- uh, with, with reviews such as Tessa's uh, two star review which said I had time for a short Michael Shannon film but it actually felt like it was the longest film ever <laughs> But there was, my favourite review was from a chap called Rick Kelly who said, finally a film that gets to the true heart of Christmas, the desire to fuck Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> one, one star. One from, star! Uh, <laughs> you dropped that truth bomb. <laughs> Give it one star. <laughs> the true heart of Christmas. <laughs> Very good. So yes, of, of course it qualifies. Uh, critically. Well, I am I am relieved. Um, oh, so funny. settling down to watch this, uh, if I could set the scene, I was on a train to Newcastle, and um, I sat down and I watched the first few minutes, and I was as bemused as I think as I've ever been about anything, and that was before the furries arrived, and. I am more, but I, I had to turn it off because the person next to me had got on the train and was looking at Michael Shannon and some furries, and I had to switch it off. Was just, this is even this is too embarrassing for me. The the whole so he comes out. He's just a lovely general store guy. Is, is he, he lovely? Lovely. <laughs> Apparently, he's beloved according to the uh, synopsis, but I don't think he smiles once in this entire film. Oh, no, he looks. He looks like he's plotting everyone's death. Every single person in his film. He's about to go postal. He's literally about to split and go bananas. Yeah, because Pottersville's on its arse, isn't it? Yeah, like uh, everybody's out of work because the mill shut down. Yes. Uh, And the only thing that's going is the general store. And we know that um, Grieger is a a good guy because (laughs) some woman comes into the shop and can't afford to pay for her groceries and uh, asks her to put it on his tab and he says it's fine. And then he... Gives a kid a candy bar. It's supposed to be sweet, but it's just like he's threatening him yeah, with said candy bar. Candy bar. <laughs> it all feels so off. Like there's something so undefinably off about it. Just like off. <laughs> so I thought him and because it's such as the lack of chemistry, sadly, coming off of Shannon towards his co-stars, that I honestly thought that him and Greer were brother and sister. Because Judy Greer is the like, so when the end came, you know, you can imagine, spoiler alert, I was feeling pretty confused. <laughs> What's going on? I had no idea that they were romantically linked whatsoever. Yeah, so, so she works with, with Grieger, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Grieger's married to uh, Christina Hendricks. <laughs> lovely, lovely Christina Hendricks. And they, so he goes home early, doesn't he? And uh, as you would expect in, in a Hallmark movie when um, a husband goes home, too uh, early there's some mischievous stuff going on upstairs but because it's a family movie they've really 
they really pivot it, don't they? And it's just this weird furry, th- just people dressing up as as furry animals and hug each other. And <laughs> so the police chief Ron Perlman is dressed as a wolf. Producer Ron Perlman. Yeah, producer. <laughs> producer Ron Perlman. The mastermind behind this masterpiece. Producer and sh- shady investor Ron Perlman. <laughs> Sorry, we love Ron Perlman. I absolutely love Ron. I wonder Perlman. if Guillermo del Toro's seen this movie because he's really good friends with Ron Perlman. I think he did an uncredited script pass, didn't he? <laughs> he did not. He did not. Uh, he's yeah. He was the originator of the whole furry thing. Um, and yeah, they get home and Christina Hendricks is there, but uh, and the, the, he is. This is the least over. Well, it's the most. Can you just be whelming? So it's it's a very <laughs> underwhelming. Discovery of your wife's duplicity. This he just stands there holding flowers, going, "Oh, oh!" And they're in furry outfits. They're in like costumes. He's howling. Ron Perlman is howling. Ro- <laughs> Michael Shannon's just from up the stairs, going, "Have you got a dog in there?" <laughs> and he keeps getting. He, he keeps calling him a squirrel, doesn't he? And it's like, oh, it's, clear, oh, it's, it's really, it's really top. It's clearly a wolf. comedy. This. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not landing. It's not landing. Sadly, hey, you look like a. You look like a squirrel. Like he's, he's quite hard to do, Michael Shannon, because he's he like is. quite menacing, but also quite nasal at the same time. Yeah, just just think of a voice <laughs> that could never be romantic. Yeah, it, it, he doesn't move his lips very much, does he? he just he just kind <laughs> of. <laughs> Or his face oh, at all in this movie. Oh, no. Well, I'm not sure. Talk about, about phoning that, it in. Jeez. <laughs> he, he Morse coded it in. Never mind, phoned it. <laughs> Do you reckon that at any point in this film he did more than one take on any. No, I don't think so. I, I really no. don't think so. It's got big filming the rehearsal uh, elements. <laughs> it's like yeah. they just filmed him like running his lines and like, oh, that'll do. We'll just we'll just put that in the movie. Print. Shall we? Print. <laughs> you said it before, Rob. A Hallmark movie. It, it's very much a Hallmark movie. It looks like one. It sounds like one. The only thing setting it apart is the cast. Yes. Very much so. They do all phone it in and it's not, uh, you know, it's not Morse code it in or fax it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, not Judy Gray. Judy Gray doesn't phone it in. She's not going to come on the podcast, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think I think my nana would have, would have, would like it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if my nana has watched it, actually, because she loves a Hallmark movie. So nice. So I might, I might check in with nana when I go home and see if she's seen Pottersville. Fire it up on the old Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just, it's such a weird opening. And yeah, it tries to have this element of adultery in it, but it can't commit to it because it's clearly a kid's move aimed at families. But then I'm watching it going like, who is this film for? I don't know. Us. You've cast Michael <laughs> Shannon, who's like this independent film's like favourite. <laughs> Then, so you know, kids aren't going to go. Oh yeah, Dad, take me to see the latest Michael Shannon movie. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not after this. And then, like people who know Michael Shannon from his films would be like, "Why? Why is he in a Christmas film anyway? And why is it a, a, a PG Christmas film?" And I'm, I'm just very confused at this point. Why <laughs> is Zod running a general store in a broken downtown? <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the towns he absolutely levelled with Superman. So he's just, he's just <laughs> community service. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how this came about at all. I can understand something. I don't know how Greer and Hendricks are there. I don't know how they've managed to get those guys. I understand why Perlman's there. How many days do you think each person did? 
on this film. Like Christina Hendricks, like she's, you know, uh, off the back of Mad Men, really well known. How many days do you think she's, because she's a supporting yeah. choir. Yeah, yeah. She's also in a furry outfit for quite a bit of it. Yeah. So what do you reckon? Three days, maybe? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. She's she's not in it that much, yeah. is she? Shannon is the star of the film, but I reckon he only did maybe ten days on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? Oh, he's not the star of the film for me. Oh, this, well, wait, oh, wait, hang I on mean, a minute. <laughs> well, Ian McShane is great. I he's mean, I think he is actually quite good in it. To be honest, <laughs> he, <laughs> he understands is. the assignment. He does spot he does. on, and he he brews his own moonshine, doesn't he? And um, well, the, the yes, Grieger's very Grieger. distraught that his, his his wife is not cheating on him, just dressing up as, as, as <laughs> a bunny and rubbing up against the sheriff. I mean, what are we talking about? <laughs> he gets absolutely smashed on his moonshine, doesn't he? And yeah, finds uh, decides to dress up as I'll give you a right, furry a gorilla suit. Isn't I mean, he? yeah, yeah. <laughs> And just runs around the town howling. And, Off and his face. Screams. And he wakes up to find that the whole town is very excited about the rash of Bigfoot sightings overnight. I mean, it's a town full of Rob Parkers. I hope you don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't take that the wrong way at all. You're the guys who start flogging Bigfoot merch in, I, the, in the store the day of the first absolutely sighting. right. In fact, no, I'd, I don't know whether I'd be that guy. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be in the woods already, I think. Like, I'll find him! I promise I'll find him! Why have I got an American accent? There's no reason for it. Tournament. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, um, Rob Pilbard's daughter's in it as well, yes. isn't she? She's she plays the deputy. Wonder how she got that job. Yeah, well, well not a deputy up, job. This... I mean, a job in the film. <laughs> <laughs> there's this. There's a story today about all these nepo babies, uh, and she would definitely be classed as one of those for this film. <sighs> She's not done the best out of all the nepo babies, though. <laughs> no, really? Pottersville. Thanks, Dad. I actually did. This was actually because you don't get many laughs in this film, but I did laugh at this bit where the it's on the news, isn't it? And there's like a, a news report on it, and they talk to like a stoner guy, <laughs> and they go like, "So, so what were you doing?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, so we were out in the woods, like smoking a, uh, you know, like hanging out." <laughs> <laughs> Quite a that's very good, yeah. That was very funny. And it's just like guilty face. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I did laugh at that. I liked all the caricatures I, I, coming out. I liked all that stuff. You know, it was. There, I mean, it, it's not a funny film, but there are a couple of bits I laughed because how stupid. It is. Yeah, I think I think the funny bits that aren't the the bits that they've tried to make funny. That's the thing, you know, like the, oh, yeah, the, totally, the yeah. over comedy, the the bits that they're trying to say. Hey, this is a comedy. It, they don't land. But the no. the the little side little bits and odd performance elements really work, you know. Um, so McShane is great because I find pretty much everything McShane is doing funny. That's great. Um, and we're also introduced to the fabulous Thomas Lennon, Brock Masterson, who comes in as this um, sort of over-the-top monster hunter on television. <laughs> now, guys, having watched a few of these stories, types of programs i can't begin to tell you how accurate they got this <laughs> so someone in the woods going is it like not is a that steve a irwin riff though like, i think it is as well yeah i think i think it is i mean that's um, just so stale as well isn't it like yeah the crocodile hunter was god rest his soul was, was long gone well yes yeah. by even by 2017 
he is responsible, I think, for the, the the film's best joke. Oh, he's he's the star of the show for me. Yes, Thomas Lennon. He's just ridiculous. <laughs> he's invested, isn't he? But but do you guys remember the best joke? Remember the best joke in the whole film? Uh, you'll have to refresh my memory. So it's when um, they're out in the woods and he's getting ready to do a take, and someone, oh yes, yeah, <laughs> someone's in his in his eye line. <laughs> And he goes on a massive diatribe, which is word for word the <laughs> meltdown Christian Bale Christian had on the Bale. set of Terminator Salvation. <laughs> he just verbatim the script. I thought they're really running this for a bit, and like, is that that is that is word for word? It's the same. <laughs> I really liked how we pronounced Sep. Yes, <laughs> he kept talking about them. got the tree, sep. and he was like, and Bigfoot's like the Sep. <laughs> His accent is so bad, but it's supposed to be, isn't it? Because he's not really Australian. Exactly, yeah. Still very. I think funny. Did, didn't he won a win an award for worst worst accent, and it's like that's a bit harsh because it's kind of the point, isn't it? He won a Razzie, didn't he? Razzie award uh, award for second worst Australian accent after The Simpsons, Bart versus Australia. That episode came out in 1995. God, the Razzies is a load of shit, isn't it? Like that, yeah, that really terrible. is. Just make it up as they go along. I mean, did they not see Django Unchained and Quentin Tarantino in the final (laughs) part of that movie? (laughs) That's worse than Thomas Lennon's Australian accent work in this particular picture. Yeah, but he's um, so we can we can glaze over a lot here, can't we, guys? Really, that they they Bigfoot is. Uh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon's faced with this sort of like, what do I do? Because the town is really thriving. It turns out they're loving this how, stuff. How is the town thriving? I don't <laughs> understand. They're selling some T-shirts. <laughs> People are coming to, you know, buy beers from Grieger's did, store. Did everyone go to uh, Minnesota after Christmas with Bigfoot in 2014? Because maybe that was the inspiration for I this. I don't understand it. how you get from sighting of Bigfoot, something... Huge profit. There's like a huge <laughs> part of the equation missing in the film that is never established apart some ratty Bigfoot t-shirts that they're selling in general stuff. It's their it's their Christmas miracle, isn't it? It's their How is it a Christmas miracle? Well I still don't know. It's because <laughs> life is magical, James. <laughs> life is magical. Maybe that's what they're trying to talk about. It's the plot. It's don't a magical worry. life. It's a magical life. <laughs> I don't think, think, is this even a Christmas film? No. Well, I know there's Christmas trees in it. It's not really mentioned, is it? It's not mentioned. It just happens to no. be snowing. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's just a snowy town in upstate New oh, York. Dear. Just like, oh, God, it's just ridiculous. It's not a Christmas film. The poster makes it look way more Christmassy. Oh, I thought I was in for a festive <laughs> feast. Well, it turns out I was, but, you know. Um, the, so let, uh, Brock, Brock Masterson and Bart and the uh, chief of police or sheriff, whatever his name is, they go off to hunt Bigfoot in the woods. Um, and I liked all these scenes. I enjoyed all of this. And they're all having the moonshine. They're all having a great time. And, uh, you know, Brock Masterson doesn't like pooping in the woods. Um, he also doesn't like eating bugs and stuff. This is all great. Shannon is wondering, what do I do? But at the same time, Grey rumbles him. Grey knows his secret. And, uh, but Shannon has, you know, disappeared. Greer has been asking Grieger for, you know, hey, do you want to hang out? That kind of thing. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm too. No, I can't hang out tonight. <laughs> no, can we take a rain check? I'm completely miscast in this film. Um, <laughs> I just really don't want to be here. <laughs> 
Judy. <laughs> Judy, I don't want to be here. I made Nocturnal Animals last year. I've literally been nominated for an Oscar. I don't know what I'm doing here. That's, that's true, good. by the way. You've managed that's, it. Yeah. That's true, by the way. Like, the same year that Pottersville came out, Michael Shannon was at the Oscars up for Best Supporting Actor in Nocturnal Animals. So it's not like he's, like, fallen into the... 2010 Travolta Zone or something like that, and this is all he can get. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Baffling. It's, I'm more in love with it now. We're talking about it, actually. Um, the, uh, but um, then we hit another major issue. Well, for me, it's a major <laughs> issue because I hate all the furry stuff. Uh, somehow, the furry stuff is a is like it's a plot device, isn't it? Because that's why he puts furry stuff on, you know, to try and win it. You know, I'll show you a wild animal. Uh, <laughs> Can't believe this is real, and uh, but they find a furry get together, a furry uh, party in the woods. Um, yeah, I mean, and... it stands to reason that furries would be into Bigfoot, though. I think I think there's a lot of crossover with that community, Rob. Maybe you can tell us if that's the case. Or I, not. Do you know what? It's going to have to be another thing where we'll have to do a deep dive. You know, which, on this. Which, which animal are you in the club, Rob? Which do you? Which well, Bigfoot, do you dress actually. Up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the alpha in this situation. <laughs> And believe me, there aren't many alphas in there, so I get away with it. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so, so yeah, I don't, I, I, the the furry thing. I just it's just like I mean, it's a sex club, but it's not a sex club, and I, it just does not work on any level. It works in the sense that they don't need any of the principal actors to be on set for this. That is true. <laughs> that is really true. Because you don't see Hendrix, do you, in this scene? Although no, no, she takes her hat off for one second, doesn't she? To show Brock Masterson. Yeah, that was like an insert on one of the days that she popped by the set. Yeah. I mean, why? I just don't understand. Like, none of the people in this in this film could be that hard up for money at all. Like, I don't see how this would enhance their career in any way. I mean, it must just be money for all rope. Like, like a week's work at at the absolute most. For <laughs> I just. I just don't know. I like Seth Henriksen must be just like a really nice guy, and they're just doing him a favour. Just a really. Has nice he won dude. a competition or something? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so... I know we don't like to be negative on this, but I'm, I'm just baffled by the existence <laughs> of this film. I don't understand what has happened. <laughs> like, where, where is anybody's agent in these discussions? <laughs> they're in the furry outfits in that. Party. They're playing extras, yeah. Oh my word. The the um oh dear The Big Bigfoot does show up. Perlman decides he's gonna keep the charade going, uh, but McShane spots him uh and uh, takes him out with a uh a lovely um what's that thing called? Tranquilizer. Yeah. And but Brock takes the uh takes the win and they drive back to to the town. Bigfoot's here, we've got him! And they're going to do a great big unveiling. And the sadness is that it's it's an absolutely tanked out Michael Shannon who's got his eyes shut the whole time. And people are outraged. People are, how could you, Maynard? You, you, you... How is this a real film? With like, with like real actors in. It's just... Astonishing! I, I, I don't. And, and Judy Greer appears to say that she's sorry. A big mad props for her character being called Parker. That is something that the naming department did get right. Love that. First name, <laughs> love that. But I mean, while we're on names, Maynard Grieger. 
<laughs> Sounds like a, a bowel movement after a particularly vicious evening on the beer. <laughs> Just dropped a, dr- a dr- disgraceful Maynard Grieger. Oh, oh, I can't come to work tomorrow. Today I've got a horrendous case of the Maynard Griegers. It's accurate. It's a a great way to describe a big shit. Don't mind me just nipping for a cheeky Grieger. Oh, the cheeky Griegers. Oh, dear. I mean, we've skipped oh. over a bit where Michael Shannon inexplicably says the word poop about 15 oh. times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really, I really like that bit. <laughs> poop. Uh, and then you you go through life and poop and then poop goes in your mouth and your wife is hugging a squirrel and then there's more squirrel poop. And, I mean, that's not... I'm, I'm, ad-libbing, but that's not a million miles away from the actual dialogue. It was, be- it was better dialogue than we were given. <laughs> Hearing Michael Shannon say poop. <laughs> so demeaning. I, I remember, get, like, he was supposed to be, like, in the in the 2000s and the early 2010s, he was talking about him being, like, the second coming of De Niro, like this super intense method actor. And I know De Niro made some bad stuff at the end of his career, but he'd won two Oscars and made some classics by then. Like, uh, what is Michael Shannon doing? Why does he want this on his filmography? On, on, his, on, his, on, on his IMD page, IMDP page, it says right at the top, in terms of awards, 34 wins and 100 nominations. <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> poop. It's like squirrel poop. Uh, uh, all those, all those gambling debts. Some I know, yeah. Oh dear. Uh, but schools, apparently, <laughs> with schools. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Is well, it a did... Nick Cage situation? Did he buy a British castle or something? And now he's in the hot corner with the tax man. <laughs> this is more fascinating than the mystery of Bigfoot. Why is Michael Shannon in Pottersville? It it's like, you know, like Lost in... Well, at least we can see this film, but you know, like... Um, who is it who spent years trying to make Don Quixote? Um, it's like that. Oh, my, Terry my, Gilliam. T- that's it, Terry Gilliam. Was it Terry Gilliam? Yeah, I think it was. Terry Gilliam's Don Quixote and Michael Shannon's Pottersville, two of <laughs> cinema's greatest <laughs> follies. <laughs> <laughs> the only time those two films will ever be said in the same sentence. Um, but everyone's mad with Maynard because he's... Fuming, absolutely raging at him because he's... You know, I mean, what's he done? Um, and, Duped and, a bunch of gullible idiots into thinking that him running around in a gorilla suit is they found the Sasquatch. It's just... <laughs> oh, I did like the, te- the the use of the word squatching, I think, as oh, an yeah. aficionado, you'd quite enjoy that. I Rob. did enjoy that, yeah, but I don't I'm not one who squatch. I don't I don't like that very much actually. I am uh, I'm oh, the more... squatch. No squatching. Oh, the squatch. expression squatching. I'm not that uh, Sasquatch, yes. Because that's comes from its, you know, the uh, the historical etymology of the of the name, you know, with its connection to <laughs> Native American beliefs, but um, I'm definitely not down for you know. Hey, man, we'll because it might be confused. Yeah, let's not be doing that. Bigfoot dogging, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there is a, a market for everything, Rob? Asking for a friend. <laughs> 
The mother is. There isn't is. There? Yeah. Goodness me. Squ- Squatching also like sounds like going for a Grieger. <laughs> Squatched out a Maynard Greek. <laughs> right, that is enough. That is enough. Sounds so painful. Isn't it? Right, moving on. Um, so Judy Greer does her very best to clear Maynard's name. Um, and uh, she finds, oh, it's the ace in the hole. And when everyone is turning on her, she, she sort of like calls a town meeting and yeah. gets everyone there and then drops the big bomb. It's the ledger from the store, which shows that all these time, all these people have been coming in and Maynard's been saying, I'll just make a little note of it for later, squirrel poop. And then he's actually <laughs> not been writing a thing down because he's a very generous oh. man. Yeah, can I tell yeah. you a spoiler alert at this point? Go ahead. Well, I mean, we've spoiled everything. <laughs> <laughs> I cried at this point. No, oh, you goodness sake. I 100% <laughs> legit cried. This is oh, this genuinely worse than you crying at the Paw Patrol movie, Rob. This is... I did. I felt it go. I went, <sighs> like oh. a little a little sobby noise, just because it was so lovely. And, and you know, to know, so that you know I'm from good stock, I told my father, like, there's this guy in this film I watched and he kept a general store and he just gave everyone hands out, handouts, made a little note in a ledger. And then when it came that he needed help, they showed the ledger and it was empty. And dad went, that is wonderful. <laughs> well, it really is a magical life, Rob. Uh, it, it is. It is a magical life. So yeah, I mean, I, as far as you know, getting an emotional connect- connection, they've done it. I cried at Pottersville. It's not a great benchmark, really. And then uh, Shannon goes on local TV for some reason and does an interview. Why would the news be interested in this at all? Like? <laughs> And when everybody thought there was a Bigfoot, they were just really happy, and I just wanted to make people happy, even though I myself can't express joy in any way, shape, or form. Connie comes back, his wife, because she's seen him on TV. Now he's the big star. And he, well, I mean, it's not the great, you know, thanks but no thanks, but it's just, you've got to go and be happy. <laughs> Why is he becoming the water boy? <laughs> <laughs> and she showed me a boob and said, I like them too. <laughs> uh, she, it was great. I love that. I love it when, you know, the comeuppance comes to people. Because she wanted to be a furry with the police chief. Off you doddle. Go do and that. And she wants to be a furry with him now that she's he's got a Bigfoot costume. Oh, and she says, yeah, bring the Bigfoot costume. Like, give over, you weirdo. I mean, uh, so, yeah, I loved all that. And um, But in the background, oh, Parker, like that. Judy Gray really enjoyed that. Good stuff. Um, and they buy the mill and turn it into a Bigfoot museum because that's what this town needs, <laughs> obviously, because yeah. the mill was sure. All those people with those specific skills for running that mill. We're going to open it up again, but don't worry, you won't need all those skills. This is a Bigfoot museum. <laughs> <laughs> and then Judy Gray goes, you're a great guy, May. And he goes, eh, what are you going to do? Yeah. My car here, can I go to the airport? <laughs> <laughs> and they have a they have a kiss. Her him and Judy Greer. No commitment at all and kiss at all. It's just like, yeah. Smooch. <laughs> Smoochies. Oh, is this the bit in the contract for smoochy kisses? It's just <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a less committed performance in anything ever, I don't think. I think you'd be absolutely right. Um, stunned, uh, I am, <laughs> at the closing credits of this film. Um, but can I get your favourite bits, please? 
Uh, well, there was one line of dialogue that I particularly enjoyed where they're talking about, you know, the content for the Bigfoot show that's going to be going out. And someone says, we can't air a show without any Bigfoot evidence. Well, now that is where you're wrong as Rob's various podcasts <laughs> and TV shows that he watches has zero Bigfoot evidence. <laughs> and they're on like episode 900. So I enjoyed that. Also, what's inside the Bigfoot Museum? Uh, there isn't a Bigfoot. What's inside there the Bigfoot? <laughs> Fake p- pictures of him in his Bigfoot outfit. <laughs> Is that you, Maynard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so no evidence. All right. This museum could have been a leaflet, basically. <laughs> <laughs> or a post-it. And they're all coming up to him like, hey, it's great, Maynard. Well done, mate. You've what? saved a town, Maynard. <laughs> How? See? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> All those chops lost. <laughs> what are they big, big, are they all tour guides in a Bigfoot museum that contains nothing? Oh, here's another empty wing. <laughs> this is why we're going to pull his head when we find him. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting, we're waiting. Oh, God. Oh, Si, what was your favourite bit? I mean, really scraping the barrel for this one. Uh, no, I, I, I just honestly really liked... Thomas Lennon, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> I thought yeah. he was, uh, his accent was so awful, but in a great way. And it was, it, it, you know, and it obviously made sense it was shit because he was a big, big old fraud. But I just Ooh, really yeah. love how he said, how he says, Sep. He <laughs> got, what they really like, the Squatch really likes the Sep. <laughs> <laughs> I had great joy in that. I was saying it for days after. <laughs> the Sep. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with Thomas Lennon for mine. I think um, I, I loved his. Um, uh, oh, can we? We've not talked about the brilliant um, uh, Ian McShane Quint um, homage. Oh know? yeah, yeah. I loved it. Really loved it. Uh, you'll have to is watch it that brilliant? yourself. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, the I loved the four takes Thomas Lennon took. In the movie, you know, to do that yeah, first yeah, when yeah. they find that deer. Because, again, that just feels so accurate to all these shows that I watch. Like, we'll do another take, but, you know, a little bit more serious. There's a squatch, definite squatch. Uh, I, <laughs> and he was slightly different <laughs> every time. I just really liked it. I loved all that <laughs> stuff. And the way that everyone was hanging off his every word, like, <sighs> really yeah. liked it. Also, yeah, the squirrel poop bit was great. Really <laughs> Um I, I like Thomas Lennon. He was in that uh, Zac Efron movie, which was really good. Which one was that? Again. Oh, yes, The one yes. where he's Ch- Chandler Bing looked like Zac Efron when he was younger. Yes. And, uh, it's, love that movie. Well, he wins a lot of plaudits <laughs> for me because his IMDb profile picture is him with a barn owl. Yeah, well. I do like that. Excellent outdoor stuff. Um, so, uh, FYR, for your reconsideration, Pottersville. James, do you want to go first on this one? <laughs> I mean, if you want to watch a really fucking rubbish film this festive season, then have at it, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, it's irredeemably awful. Not just the worst Bigfoot picture we've covered, but the worst film, period. Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I am dead. Simon? I mean, yeah, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. Life is not magical. Life is not magical. I, it, it's not. It's not a Christmas movie. I mean, it's not even. Yeah, it's amazing that we've the other Bigfoot film we covered is better than 
I know, yeah. It's a sad day when you're pining for a, Abominable yeah, with Lance Yeah, Abominable, yeah. Um, what a great no, movie, yeah, by the way. It's... Uh... <laughs> It's terrible. I actually, I actually feel bad if uh, we've made you know people have watched this before listening to this episode, and we've just eighty four minutes of their Christmas life has has just gone <laughs> Christmas life ruined their Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm I'm very sorry, lads. Don't um, you dare! No. Don't you dare! No. <laughs> I uh, right. It works in. Zero way. It's miscast <laughs> to sort of a heinous level, but only with the the top the top lead, which is one of the most disturbing castings I've ever seen. I think, like, like <laughs> I did lose a bit of sleep over his performance in this and how uncomfortable it was. But in here, somewhere in here, there is a sweet attempt at a movie <laughs> with the odd <laughs> the faces. With the odd bit that actually works, that actually lands in amongst a lot of stuff that really doesn't work. Really trying here, but I did actually quite like this. <laughs> I, I did laugh a couple of times, mainly at uh, Brockmaster, but just not enough. Probably three times. <laughs> <laughs> um, I Yes, it, it's very hard for me to say, you must go and watch this. But... If you like your miscast Bigfoot films that happen to be set in a cold setting and they downed a film school, this is your jam. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so on that terms, do reconsider Pottersville. <laughs> I mean, there is a morbid curiosity for just going, there what is. has happened yeah. here? There is. There, there is. Why and is anybody in this? Yeah. And I think that, like, and I do mean it, Judy Greer is absolutely brilliant in it and her role is lovely. And I love that moment with the book. I really like that moment with the book. And it made me very, very happy and weepy. So, um, and in amongst that, there was lots of Bigfoot stuff. And, you know, it, it yeah, that's always going to be a tick for me. It proved that Bigfoot isn't real, you know. So. It pretty much, yeah, it, it, it did. <laughs> it, it doesn't it, do it, a lot for your cause. It did more for the anti-Bigfoot <laughs> brigade or the standpoint that Bigfoot isn't real than any shaky potato film footage ever will. So, um, no, I just, I, I enjoyed watching it. It's on Netflix right now. Go and watch it. Um, don't tell them we sent you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want any connection to this. No, I'm joking. Is that it for this week's Bigfoot Corner? <laughs> Bigfoot Corner. <laughs> 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 wow wow that was fun that you know goodness me, as it, it sounds like you know like because the metaphor i did when we when the spiel when we went into big for like we're like shambling out like michael shannon now of the woods trying to oh, find yeah. the road i'm oh, trying to pull, pull this podcast back around um we've got a bumper 2024 lined up um we've got we're going to start off things we're we not doing 2023 <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be busy, Rob, but, but probably not that busy. Uh, yes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> We've got a bumper 2023 in store, um, and we're going to kick things off in the new year with, I don't even know whose pick it is. It must is be it? Simon's. Is he? Yeah, yes, yeah, it is, Simon's, it is. Yeah. Come so on, Simon. Bring us something good to start the year with. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Um, I don't, I've got like, I was trying to figure it out. I've got like a string of films that do qualify, but they're just so hard to, to get available because they, they become so niche over time. So I'm going to keep it simple for this one. Keep it accessible, as I believe it's on Disney+. Plus. 
um, as we revisit a, a deeply flawed but interesting sequel to one of the most beloved film franchises um, from one of America's greatest working directors. And we're going to watch Alien 3. Oh, I am uh, colour me excited because that is lovely. Great. Um, And I'll just have a quick look where we can find this. I think it's on Disney Plus because it's a Fox. uh, It it most definitely is. It's sitting right there on Disney Plus right now. You can go and check it out. Oh, I might do the whole franchise. I might start with Prometheus and work, work my way through. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is lovely. I don't. I think I've only seen it once, actually. So yeah, I'm I, definitely I, an only one watch on this one. So this is great. Um, oh wow, yeah. lovely David Fincher in the, his house. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, and thank you very much to you both. Have wonderful Christmases and New Years. Uh, yes, do be safe too, and well. Rob. Peace and love, and have a lovely time. Um, Listeners, thank you so much for everything this year. We'll be back in uh, early 2023 with some good stuff uh, and Alien 3. And uh, be good to each other. Stay safe. And uh, yeah, if you <laughs> if you happen to find Michael Shannon anywhere, please don't share this review with him. <laughs> or ask him what he was playing at. Yeah, in fact, yeah. Michael, if you'd like to come on and talk about this, we would we would really like to have you. I was wondering why I wasn't excited for Christmas, and I think it's because I watched Pass <laughs> <laughs> Literally ruined Christmas. It stomped the Christmas spirit out of me. <laughs> oh, say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. Merry Christmas.